I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace. I'm Mitchell Boone, and you're listening to The Day After Sunday. A brief but nerdy conversation about yesterday's worship at White Rock United Methodist Church. We talk about what caught our attention, stories we forgot to tell, and ways that we saw the Holy Spirit moving among us. And he's Phil Dickey. And he's <laughs> Justin Hancock. And I'm muted. Darn it. And I'm Phil <laughs> <Dickey>. <laughs> Missed it. Uh, Good morning, yeah, friends. Justin Hancock here, too. It's a big party on the pod. Hello. A pod party. We pod have party. Reverend Justin Hancock a good friend of ours joining us. He uh, recently has gone out on his own and is uh, starting a brand new ministry, not from scratch, but essentially taking a lot of his work over the past several years and uh, starting the Julian Way, which um, you're going to get to hear more about in a few weeks. But it's a, an incredible ministry of uh, Justin and Lisa Hancock and we're excited to have uh, Justin on the podcast this morning. I am excited to be here this morning. You can say what you can say what you need to say to the world without texting the the, the preacher during the sermon under the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it was supposed to be under the table until you like. <laughs> Put me on blast to all of West City, Dallas. I'm I'm really hoping that that people don't uh, think that this can be just a regular thing now. That like you know someone's got a, a, a bone to pick and just uh, wants to shoot me a text and and uh, I'd only do that for a very small group of folks, Justin. So I'm glad you're here. I mean that's the beauty of technology, right there. You just totally, it. totally. Yeah, so this is week two of us being back in the sanctuary. We had uh, we had some hiccups, some uh, some little. Our issues. pre-show ran way smoother, which was great. And then in the middle of worship, we had some hiccups. Was a good way to put it. But yeah, some so. some videos that uh, that didn't get played. But if you were featured in those videos, we apologize. We'll use you some other week, so don't feel go. too forlorn right now. Sorry, mom. Yeah, Our and sorry. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Yeah, <laughs> Keith and Diane were the were uh, reading our scripture yesterday. So, and uh, well, obviously the Simpsons. Be on the screen. I'm going to read the scripture instead. If you couldn't hear that, his mic was turned off. But that's what he was really saying behind the, behind the. You know when his mic was not turned off. <laughs> I do know. Well, I During the first hymn. Yeah. We did. We had a few hiccups. We're adjusting, and I think we're going to have some good adjustments this Sunday. Hopefully, bringing in some. Uh, some more help to, to make it happen. Dexter looked yeah. like an untrained clown juggling all those <laughs> things back there. And uh, sometimes the plates hit the floor. Poor Dexter. I worry about his heart. <laughs> literal, his Physic- literal heart. I was going to yeah, say physically. Heart. Physically. Yeah, physically. Yeah. We worry Not about Not emotionally. Like yeah. Legitimately. Exactly. Level. Exactly. Well. So we're going to pivot a little bit. Here's the good news about worship though. Yesterday. Uh, it happened. It did. We were together in community. And the sacrament was presided over, and uh, and we partook in uh, uh, in that. And so, you know, as yeah. long as their sacrament is present in worship, I, I it provides such a relief, you know, because like if mm-hmm. if the only thing that happens is people get to have this tangible experience with with God's grace, like that's worth our time and effort just right there. So, mm. but uh, you know, we're figuring it out. Next yeah. week will be great. 
Probably because I won't be here. I think um, probably because you won't be here. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think yesterday was an interesting day. You know, it's it's kind of the rule of trilogies, right? That the the middle section is is always a little odd. So we're in a three week series. Last week we focused on children's ministries. Um, yesterday we focused in on adult ministries to some extent. And next week um, will be Phil. You'll be having a conversation with Keith about senior adult ministries and how you know each of these pieces kind of fits in to mm-hmm. the the life of the of the body of Christ. But yesterday, I mean, I think pretty much the whole service pivoted around this scripture of mm-hmm. the four people and Phil, as you pointed out, they, it does not say friends, which is blowing my mind. Present tense. Like I, I still am looking up different gospel versions of this. Like I thought it said friends in there. So, um, our, uh, our new Testament scholars, you know, let us know what we're missing there, but yeah, so it's this week yeah, pivoted around this story of the the people bringing a man on a mat um, to Jesus to be healed. Right, and um, and they get into the house in a very odd, peculiar way by digging through the roof, uh, which. You know, it's a good reminder that uh, roof composition in Jesus's day was probably a bit different, <laughs> at, uh, you know, than the shingles or the, uh, you know, hip metal roofs that we see in, in in our world today. Right. So so the structures themselves were probably, you know, not as spacious. Right. So this mm-hmm. idea that the, the home was crowded, uh, you could definitely see how that could happen uh, fairly quickly. Um, and, and this digging through the roof, right, is an exercise of, um, of, of trying to get, uh, you know, an encounter with Jesus. I'm, you know, and like I said, in my, my part, I, how do you fix a, a mud roof that you've dug a hole through? Well, I really loved um, that got a lot of play in the comment section. Right. I was moderating yesterday. And so people were like, yes, I've always wondered that too. And one of our members said, I really like to imagine Jesus fixing the roof because it wasn't his house, right? And so my first thought is rude, like who's going <laughs> to clean up this mess? But the the comment that I loved was, you know, I imagine Jesus using his his earthly carpenter skills, you know, no no messianic magic, just using his carpenter skills to fix the roof after they were done with that meeting. I love that. That's all. Awesome. Typical typical Mark, right? You get the fullness of Yeah. The, humanity the humanity in, in jesus and because yeah. mark is so short uh in descriptions uh and they're never where to be they're nowhere to be found in the gospel of mark so it's so fast you're left with the gift of being able to read between the lines in a lot of yeah. ways and and that's yeah. one of the beautiful things about mark it gives us more space to imagine when we pick up that gospel in particular yeah justin what were you gonna say I had, uh, I can't remember, it was a youth, I uh, can't, youth friend of mine or a, uh, a college pastor, but I had someone tell me back in my life that Jesus probably should have walked around with an insurance adjuster or a subcontractor because of all of the potential uh, property damage and you know just environment damage <laughs> scattered throughout 
That, uh, a lot of the gospel stories, but uh, that one in particular is very um, evocative of that image and always gives me a little bit of a chuckle before I dive into uh, the deeper exegetical ex ex going think, on. You think that's why they had a tax collector? Just so like, uh, <laughs> he's like, all right, Matthew, just pay him off. Like, uh, we got to get on. We got we got stuff to do. And if it doesn't work out, like, that's why you also had a zealot uh, hanging around. Just so like, hey, just remember, like, uh, this is our final offer. I think you could write that yeah. book though, right? There's the, isn't it Lamb where it's like the, the yeah. version through like Jesus's best friend. You could write the version of through Jesus's like insurance adjuster. Yeah, totally. That would be a really, really interesting book to, to get out there. Right. Well, and Justin, I mean, when you texted Mitchell, uh, the the now I'm sure will be infamous uh, Apple Watch check in the middle of the <laughs> sermon, you were talking about agency, which I think is just mm-hmm. a really interesting thing because... <clears throat> Digging through the roof, you know, these four people, whether they were all, you know, they, whether they knew the man or not, uh, they exhibited a ton of agency, you know, problem solving skills. Um, but then I was curious, you know, to hear you expand a little bit about maybe how to look at this through the lens of agency of the man, of Jesus, of the community. Like, what were they seeking and what did they find ultimately? Yeah, sure. Um well, to begin, because of the work that um, Lisa and I do, and, and a lot of what I share will be Lisa's thoughts, uh, sort of filtered through conversation. Um, so full credit where credit is sure. fully due. That's um, always a good choice. I, I quote Lisa as often as possible. So Indeed. indeed. Um, this is probably my favorite text to teach just because it is so uh, problematic, for lack of a better phrase. Um, I love the beautiful imagery of them being friends, so it is a little bit arresting uh, to find out that they're not friends. Possibly not. not. Good good caveat there. Um, but as far as, um, agency goes, I just think we have stacked a lot on top of this poor individual, uh, over this increase, because I like to kind of strip as much of that away and say, what if the dude was just there to, to hear Jesus teach? And it was as, uh, for lack of a better phrasing, what if he got up from that encounter and said, you know, Jesus, thanks for the healing, but what the hell, man? I didn't mean to be an object lesson today. Mm. Um, and mm. that, in, that encounter was uh, really... It can be read like that, which I think is a mistake, because having been carried up to waterfalls and through various environments throughout my life um, in a chair, um, 
I've never been carried up or lowered down anywhere on accident. I was always clearly a part of that process. Mm. Uh, So I think it's important for us to know that the man who, the, the man who ends up being healed had to drive that encounter or it's extremely rare or extremely unlikely i should say that he wasn't the thrust Mm -hmm. behind getting on top of that roof Mm -hmm. i'll I'll kind of expand on that uh, momentarily but i'm gonna pause and uh let y'all reflect or respond well something for me that's tangentially related to that is I have wondered before, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus first response, he talks directly to this man on the mat and says, your sins are forgiven and only cures him when challenged by the religious leaders. And so I wonder to myself, you know, would the, would the man have, uh, would the man have felt healed just from the forgiveness of sin or did he need the cure as well? Does that make sense? Like this difference between healing and curing mm-hmm. as as a um, as a propellant of healing your relationship with your community, whether or not physical cure takes place. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. And listening to Justin kind of describe this, I think that uh, this idea of the the man being. Uh, an object lesson is really interesting because you, you can make the argument that, you know, if, if this man's lowered down to Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh, first says your sins are forgiven. Right. Uh, which Jesus is really saying to all of us all the time, there's no distinction between, um, you know, disabled enabled in this, in this particular way, right. We're, we're all in need of this, this kind of grace God gives. It is interesting though. The, the object lesson pieces is, is fascinating because, um, yeah, if if this man didn't ask to be healed, it's kind of like Jesus, thanks for the healing. But, you know, like the bigger healing that could happen uh, where where we don't feel the need to just heal people that don't look like us would be a, a healing and a restoration within community. Right. And so yes. if we can get to a place mm. where we actually heal community, then we we're, we're not we're not so focused on on folks that that don't have the same um you know, ability, uh, in, in trying to make everyone look and feel and be healed, uh, uh, in such a way that, that we become, um, a monolith. And I think, uh, this idea is like, if the community is healed, then our perception about what healing actually needs to look like, uh, changes dramatically. And, um, and it allows for a much more diverse, you know, broad understanding of the body of Christ. So I think, uh, Mitchell, you bring up a very good point. And if I could, I'm going to take a minute and take y'all through a little bit uh, of theology that's going to be a little quotey for a second. So, you know, buckle your safety belts. Um, (laughs) I think the key for me is this notion that the community restoration, like the the man who was healed was not necessarily the one who needed to be 
restored in community in the way that we like to read this text in the very Julian way that we do. And there are a couple of key concepts that sort of clarify that for me and for us. Um, one is a concept by the two like patron saints of disability studies, Sharon L. Snyder and David T. Mitchell. And they talk about um, like white able-bodied cisgender bodies being um, being able to be transparent and you don't really notice what's going on in their life. They're just sort of assumed as the basic norm. Mm. But they talk about disability or disabled bodies um, as the only bodies that are completely unable in whatever mm. context to be transparent. So those are always the bodies that we go to when reading scripture because that's what our eye and our mental eye mm -hmm. is drawn to. And there's this, this concept in an, in an author and theologian and Julian expert named Frederick Christian Bowersmith uh, called that she says that or he says that Julian read the body of Christ as a sacred text. Mm. And I was reflecting on that in this story and how easily it how easy it is to read the body and the physicality of the disabled man as the place where rupture from the community happens when we when when we actually take a look at what's going on the pharisees and the religious leaders are the thrust and the reason for healing and the healing of the man uh, only occurs like y'all said a moment ago to to restore the Pharisees and religious leaders back into proper community. So what does it look like for the Pharisees to say, um, yes, mm. this, this Christ figure did this amazing thing by forgiving this man's sins. If we're able to stop there, is the healing absolutely necessary? Because then you're left with a world which I think is the real world. It's not possible for Jesus to have literally healed every uh, disabled person that he ever came in contact with. The odds of that, I mean, I don't know that. Maybe he did. I'm presuming a lot for Christ there. <laughs> God forgive me. Um, but the odds of that are staggering. And uh, so what if the restoration of the Pharisees to community with the men was the point? And what does that do for 
folks like myself and others who, frankly, I would welcome healing if it would, if it came, but I don't sit in need of it, which is Mm. not the the classic scriptural uh, viewpoint we're given. So Mm. that was a lot. So I'll be quiet. Justin, that brings me back to and I don't even remember what year this was it was it was several years ago maybe 2016 when we did the disability symposium um and we had a panel of discuss uh, a panel of of panelists that was redundant um (laughs) and I just remember um being grateful for you you sat on the panel and then others as well were present um for the diversity of thought even you know and one of your points was uh, even though we may all be using wheelchairs up here, we do not think and act the same. So one of the panelists um, was embracing the word cripple and others really pulled back strongly from that. And one of the panelists said, you know, I pray to God every day for my healing and restoration and I believe it will come. And then your voice kind of countering that with what you just said was, you know, though I would welcome it, I do not sit in need of it. And I just, I keep being reminded of, you know, us, us wanting, you know, us non-disabled bodies really, really wanting to tamp down um, the diversity even within, you know, our own sub-communities. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes sense to me. You know, so it's, it's so interesting because it took me a while to even process this after we got done with the, the, the sermon and thinking about this conversation for this morning. But as soon as you read that message, Mitchell, from, from Justin during worship yesterday, I realized that in my mind, this, this character in Mark 2 is the same character that I read about in John 5, where, and I had to pull it up because I didn't exactly remember what it was, not like I had this memorized, so don't think that I'm smarter than I am, but um, where it's at the, the sheep gate, uh, the pool of Bethesda, um, there's the, mm. the paralyzed man there in Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up while I'm making my way. Someone else steps down ahead of me. And that whenever you said that whole aspect of agency, I thought in my mind, I've thought of this character from John five as the same person as Mark two. And like in doing that, like it, it hit me all at that same time of like, Every paralyzed person that's in the stories of the Gospels is the same one in my head. Yeah. Because I categorize them, right? Like, and, and I don't even realize that I do that until mm. it's called out. And like, did I think that person had agency? Well, I kind of just assumed that like there was this person laying there thinking, well, I can't, you know, every time I, there's a chance for me to get healed, I can't do it because somebody gets in front of me. And so like, mm-hmm. it, it was really challenging for me to recognize that um, I am just as guilty of putting everyone in the same box, right? Like what you were just saying, Rebecca, like even everybody in a wheelchair doesn't think the same or use the same terminology. Like all these these characters that we find in the gospels are not the same people dealing with the same things, having the same responses. 
Right. Or dealing with agency uh, in the same way. Yeah, that's really good, Phil. I think it's a, a really important thing to recognize that, like, when we use, like, these terms Pharisees and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and religious leaders as a overarching term, people, all, all lepers and, and gospels are, are dealing with the same thing in the same social right. structures. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, we, we just label and then we make assumptions and this gets into a really challenging thing because if we don't take scriptures in context, then we, uh, have a real issue of, um, of, uh, turning down the noise the or the beautiful colors that exist within scripture because we are just making assumptions right like every person who comes to Jesus in need is x and and that is clearly not the case we see that over and over again in the gospels but we rarely pay attention to it and i think that clarity is something that's really really important because um these aren't the same men right. scripture is talking about two different men we we can you know, yeah, they're not even we, in the same location. We, right, right, right. right. So in the galley. Like, there's no, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, uh, it, it's easy for us to say these are right. two distinct individuals with two distinct theologies, with two distinct needs. Uh, yeah. And one, uh, and one, uh, one may need or has been longing for this, uh, this physical healing. One may just want to show up here at Jesus preach because his friends or some strangers on the road uh, were also <laughs> doing the same thing. Right. And so, we can't make assumptions because the man has no voice in uh in, in Mark, uh, you know it's not amplified, and because it's not amplified, doesn't give us permission then to to assume that that uh the other man's voice is his. So something that two things actually, Justin. Um, number one, I think you're I think you're right on that. Like we can we can make assumptions on Jesus's behalf. But I think it's interesting that in Mark, um, again, to Mark is the gospel that really um, emphasizes Jesus's humanity over his divinity. It actually does say, you know, and Jesus healed many rather than Luke and Matthew are much more likely to say Jesus healed all. And so I just think that even within the, you know, the gospels that we, um, that we see this variation of, uh, did Jesus heal everybody he came in contact with or did he heal as many as he could and he got tired just like we do? <laughs> right. Um, but the other thing I was going to say, rats, what was it? It was going to be really good. Oh, um, <laughs> I I love this conversation, you know, about the, the diversity of thought, the diversity of experience. You know, not all people use the same terminology, even if we might put them in the same categories. And I've had a lot of conversations with folks over the years um, where, you know, they say, well, it's just too hard. I feel like if I use the wrong word, I'm going to offend somebody. It's just too hard, you know, and, and that can be overgeneralized in a negative way by people who are saying, oh, I'm just tired of being so PC, but it can also be a really true and, and compassionate person who's like, I am literally scared to say anything because I so much don't want to offend somebody. And, I've just been thinking about this a lot, this notion of, oh, it's so hard. It's hard to get the terminology right. You know, do we say uh, disabled and non-disabled? Do we say able-bodied? Do we say, you know, um, different people have different opinions? Justin, you know, you, I, I want to hear what you prefer and like your theological reasons. But I just want to encourage people that like, yes, it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. Right, exactly. It is supposed to be hard because what we're doing is we're actually re, uh, we're rewiring our brains. 
Right. And, so yeah, and that's why I just, the church. I wanted is to give really voice important. to that of like totally. Yeah. The church is important because if we can't do it in the church, then we're not really going to find space. Like it's going to be hard to find spaces. And so yeah. like that's one of the things when we get into discipleship here in maybe a minute. Like that's why it's really important to do this in community. But Justin, I would like to give you the space to like. How would uh how would someone who's listening right now how would uh you both prefer or see theologically how would you uh how would we begin to talk about disability in real ways in conversation? Well, I'm I'll be real quick because there's a broader discipleship conversation I want to be a part of as well. Um, but I want to go back and really quick respond to the Mark and uh conversation around what's going on there in terms of as opposed to the other scriptures i love mark <clears throat> luke is my favorite because i'm a writer and it's beautiful and i could get lost in the language but Luke's mark is like a choose your own adventure novel <laughs> There's so little context given that we can flesh out the whole story on the back half of our brain if we really think about it um but that that's dangerous because there's so little context given that and there's so many unanswered questions that it can lead to some really <clears throat> reductive uh theological discussions but um you know that's the beauty of the bible it doesn't come with clean easy precise answers for a lot of the time but as far as the uh the disability related terminology and how to enter into those discussions um there is no one thing that we like to be called um we don't get together at a meeting every year uh, <laughs> or maybe we do maybe i'm lying and you need a password you'll never know um, <laughs> and uh but i think so the way i enter into that discussion when i'm consulting with uh churches or in spaces like this is ask us mm. the number one thing you can do is ask me what i would like to be <clears throat> called because there are spaces in which i uh prefer the word uh physically challenged there are spaces that i that uh, that i prefer to use the language of diverse physical and developmental embodiment mm -hmm. uh there are there are lots of spaces where I prefer to use the word crippled because that's my word, and I get to write the meaning of what that word means mm -hmm. in my context, and it doesn't that word for me doesn't sugarcoat anything. Like right. I don't have to explain that to anybody. We can just move forward whether you're squirming or not <laughs> to the other deeper. Mm -hmm. phases of the conversation and there are people for whom that word particularly those that fought in the 50s 60s and 70s in the disability civil rights mm 
mm-hmm. <clears throat> formative crucible years for whom the word cripple is devastating and linked to institutionalization, which didn't end for a lot of disabled Americans until like 1977, mm-hmm. which is astounding for me to consider. Uh, so, you know, there is no term that's one size fits all, but the number one thing you can do is involve the person that is being referred to mm-hmm. in the conversation and ask us our name. Mm. So uh, I think that's how I would I would answer that. Thank you. That's beautiful. You you just said, you know, like there's a greater conversation of discipleship. And I said, I, you know, my summation of discipleship in one word is relationship. Mm -hmm. And like, what, how do relationships usually begin? Right? Like, hi, my name's Phil. What's your name? You know, Mm -hmm. like, and, and also I said that, you know, relationships are often like rooted in empathy and, and, and knowing somebody's name is kind of the first step to understanding their story. And, um, so I think that is, that is the pathway to discipleship right there. Yeah. In in Spanish, you don't say my name is literally. You say I am called, mm-hmm. me llamo, me llamo yeah. Rebecca. And so yeah. I think that's a beautiful um, window into a different way of thinking of that too. Is you know when we meet people, when we are discipling people and creating relationship, what are you called? And it's not just one. It's not just one name. It's many many words. And we see this in scripture, right? I mean, you know, there is a time where, where names were, were just one portion of a yeah. title, right? And then you had like either from this family or from this place. And I think like we've lost a lot of grounding in what we call one another uh, when we just go with like uh, the name, right? Like what, what would it be? <laughs> It'd be strange, but we do do it. I mean, we do tag our location or we do tag our interests. Like we are reclaiming this some t- in some ways in the digital space because you look at someone's Instagram profile right now and it's not just their name. It's really a username or a account handle. And then it's like location, interest, and like the one or two things that would like define you. And so there's yeah. something beautiful about this, like being more than just one name, being many different names, depending on who we are, are, are presenting ourselves to. Uh, so we can be, you know, best understood. And, uh, you know, I just, the, the naming I, thing's really fascinating to me. I will add a small caveat to that for comic purposes, but comic and serious purposes. If anybody calls me handy capable, I will punch you in the face. Handy capable? I've never even heard of that. Oh, I've heard that, yeah. Yes. That. <laughs> I'm not handicapped, <laughs> I'm handy capable. <laughs> Okay, we will not. So, uh, Justin's yeah. preaching on the thirteenth. No one, uh, no one, no one say that. Uh, one because it's. I can imagine it's terribly offensive to all of us who uh, who know language, and also um, <laughs> we don't want Justin to punch anyone no. digitally while uh, he's preaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't. You can't socially distance and punch. So you're really putting Justin in a very precarious situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally unfair. Yeah, he has no ability to respond to you. I think that the best thing we can do, we're pushing up against our, uh, you know, 
our own limits of that we've set on the podcast. I'd like to label this conversation part one um, and then have another conversation a broader around discipleship, because I think some some a lot of what the Julian way is going to be really focused on is is how uh, discipleship looks um, uh, and and operates in in church context. And so what if we have a Justin, you think you could jump back on the podcast on the 14th of September after you preach and we continue a discipleship conversation? I'd love it. Book it. It's done. All right. I'm booking it right now. <laughs> Literally, I'm pushing buttons on my mouse and <laughs> pushing buttons into my keyboard. The All right. Calendar things happening right now. <laughs> Friends, good work. Yeah. Justin, thanks for joining us. Yes. Love the conversation, thanks Justin. Thank you. Guys. It was great. All right. Y'all take care. Bye. You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.